friends, Sanjay Prajapati here. I would like to thank you for tuning in to Desna Fatora. I really do appreciate it. And I just pray that today you will be transformed through the light of Jesus Christ in this prophetic impartation. Tonight we begin our teaching entitled Immersed in the Light. And you are called to be immersed in the light. This teaching is part four in the series that I called Let There Be Light. And in this series, I take you through the book of Genesis through the lens of the light. The Lord is calling all of us to connect with him in a deep and profound way through the light. And God appeared to Abraham at the very start of this week's Torah portion in Genesis 18.1, where the Lord says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. In this Torah portion, God appears to Abraham and elevates him in his anointing. In last week's Torah portion, Parsha Lech Lecha, if you joined us, we saw how God worked with Abraham, and Abraham's experience with God was limited to the constraints of his own human nature. In this week's Torah portion, we're going to see how God elevated Abraham into the realm of the impossible, and he had even a deeper fellowship, even deeper revelation from God in this week's Torah portion. And in this week's Torah portion, you, you will see how God took Abraham into the realm of the impossible. And this experience allowed Abraham to receive direct revelation from God. And God is also calling you to be recipients of the same type of revelation. You are called to be immersed in the light. And I'm just so excited that you have joined us today. Your mission, should, should you choose to accept it, is to be immersed in the light. As 1 John 1, 7 tells us, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share, like, and, and comment to show your support. Here are several ways you can meaningfully connect with us. I do encourage you to take a screenshot of this page here. And the first way I want to show you is through Amazon.com on my author page. Go to Amazon.com slash author slash Sanjay Panchapati. From there, you can connect to my three books, Man in the Mirror, Creating a More Authentic Version of You. My other book is called The Final Countdown, Your Journey in the Symphony of Creation. And the third book is called Earth, Wind, Fire, and a Still Small Voice, how to hear the voice of God. I do encourage you to get these resources. The second way you can connect with us is on Facebook, as you are, as many of you are doing today. You can go to facebook.com, search for Destined for Torah 2, or search for Dr. Sanjay Prajapati, and you can connect with my page in either way. I do encourage you to like and to follow so you don't miss any alert. The next way is on Instagram, just follow Destined for Torah. Twitter, same handle, Destined for Torah. And on YouTube, you can catch the broadcast going back for years. Go to youtube.com slash C slash Destin Fatora. Next way is on my blog site at www.destinfatora. And the final way is to allow you to find all the different podcasts that you can listen to us, including, uh, let me see here, you've got the, uh, the, Am the Amazon service, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many, many others. And you can find all those services by going to anchor.fm slash Fatora. And I just pray that all these resources will bless you. And I just encourage you to pick the most convenient way to stay connected with us. 
And just before we get started with tonight's teaching, I would like to show you this brief video showing you what you can expect in this 12-week series on Let There Be Light. See you in a moment. Friends, this week's teaching is entitled Immersed in the Light, and it's taken from the fourth Torah portion in the book of Genesis. The fourth Torah portion is called Bayera. Last week's Torah portion was called Lechleha, and the word Parsha in, in plural is called Parshiot. So we're going to actually um, compare the two Parshiot today. This week's Torah portion called Parsha Bayera means and he appeared. And this entire Torah portion which consists of a single theme, consists of Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, all the way through Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. I'm sorry, Genesis 22, verse 24. And the title of this week's Torah portion is taken from Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. And it reads, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. And I want to emphasize the name of the Torah portion because the name of every Parsha in the Torah embodies the essence of, that, uh, of its content. So the, the theme, the essence of the, the portion of Scripture is taken in the name of the Parsha. And the name of the Parsha is, us is usually found in the first verse of the Torah portion. Sometimes it may be in the second, third, or fourth verses, but typ typically found in the first verse of the Torah portion. In last week's Torah portion... The Parsha that we call Parsha Lechlecha, or the portion of Lechlecha, means go to yourself, or mean, it means go to you, meaning to go for your own benefit. And in last week's Torah portion, Abraham went as far as he could in his human nature. But there comes a point where you can, where you can only go so far with God through your own effort, and even as you're going through your own effort, it's actually God that's helping you get to the very limits of your human nature. But then there comes a point where the supernatural needs to completely take over, and that's the transition that Abraham experienced. So in this week's Torah portion, Vayera, meaning, and he appeared, Abraham is immersed in the light and is taken to spiritual levels, to spiritual heights, he could never have attained on his own, never through his own effort. And likewise, in your own life as well, God's going to take you to levels in Him and, and levels in, of spiritual growth that you could never achieve through your own effort. It is a, there comes a time where the Lord completely takes over 
and, and he will cause you to experience new heights in him as Jacob experienced, as we'll study in the weeks to come. And God, God is going to take you to places you never imagined because he wants to use you in these end of days. And as the days in the world are becoming darker and darker and darker, it, it's, 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 it's a time that our light is going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And even in the weeks to come, we will be preparing for Hanukkah. And it's, and it's just really through the light of Christ that we can experience the fullness of our calling in Him. And so you are called to be Im immersed in the light. There is one event in Abraham's life that divides his life into two distinct spiritual periods. The first and, and the dividing event was his circumcision. And God commanded Abraham to circumcise himself. And really what takes place is really a division between the first part of his life and the second part of his life. And the dividing event, once again, is, is the circumcision. Um, I'll, I'll be drawing a parallel between how his life was before circumcision and after circumcision, after circumcision in just a moment. But I want to just take a moment to emphasize something about what took place. And the circumcision of Abraham was the eighth of the ten tests that Abraham had to go through in order to become the father of many nations. So, and the circumcision took place on the eighth day, and also the circumcision was a test, and it was that it was the eighth test of the ten tests that Abraham went to went through. And these tests demonstrate ascending levels of love that Abraham had for God. There was not anything that Abraham would withhold from God. He, he was even willing to even sacrifice his own son if God required it. I mean, he, I mean, he went all the way with God. And of course, God does not require human sacrifice, but God did test Abraham to show Abraham how much he truly loved him. I mean, God had no doubt about Abraham's love, but through the testing, Abraham came to know how far he would go for God. Amen? And so let's talk about the eighth, you know, the eighth test of Abraham, the circumcision. And that was the, the dividing event in his life, which separated the natural from the supernatural. And I want to emphasize the number eight for a little bit. The number eight is very significant. Circumcision takes place on the eighth day. Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. Abraham's eighth test was the circumcision. So I just want to emphasize these eights for a moment. And where else do we see eight in the Bible? Well, for example, Moses dedicated the tabernacle in the wilderness on the eighth day, as we see in Numbers 7, 1. On the, on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all its utensils. The, temp, the tabernacle was dedicated on the eighth day. Now let's look at Solomon's temple, the first temple that was built in Jerusalem. It was also dedicated on the eighth day. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 7, 9. And on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly, for they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And then what takes place on the eighth day, we, we, we see that dedication. And then Jesus was circumcised and received his name on the eighth day. Luke chapter 2, verse 21 reads, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Do you want to hear another eight? Let's look at 
the, the Mount of Transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now, after eight days, after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And this concept of eight is not just a number, but it is a concept and it represents the realm that's outside of the realm of the natural. For example, the world, the, the, the heavens and the earth were created in seven days. On the seventh day, God rested and all the biblical feasts are in cycles of seven. The days of the week are seven days and the natural order consists of seven days. But whenever you read about the eight, you step into the realm of the supernatural. There is no eighth day on the on the weekly calendar. The eighth day is a supernatural day. It's a, it's a day that represents the supernatural taking over. And God wants to take you into that realm of the spirit. When, when Jesus took his most astute disciples, Peter, James, and John up the mount, they experienced the eighth day. Moses erecting the tabernacle in the wilderness and the dedication took place that was the eighth day. Solomon dedicating the, the temple took place on the eighth day. So the eighth is supernatural. It's, beyond, it's be, beyond the confines of time. And there will come a time in your life where God will take you beyond what you can achieve in the natural. And of course, even what we achieve in the natural is through help from God because we can do nothing without God's help. And it, as you take your journey and as you grow spiritually, you're going to come to a place where you can no longer ascend through your own effort. And that's when God's spirit will take over and he will cause you to ascend into new heights in his spirit. So the, the number eight is not a number. It's more than a number. Behind the number is the concept of the eight. It's the Hebrew word shemini, and it represents going beyond the natural. It, it, it means going on, going beyond what you can achieve through your own natural effort. And God is calling all of us into the realm of the supernatural. Now we're going to do a comparison between Leklecha and Vayera. Last week's Torah portion was Leklecha, which began in Genesis 12 all the way through 17. This week's Torah portion is taken from, uh, starts with Genesis chapter 18 all the way through chapter 22. It's Parsha Vayera. And we're going to compare both portions of scripture. And one thing you'll notice is a type of prophetic replay. The events that took place in last week's Torah portion were in some way repeated in this week's Torah portion through different events. But the, but the, the events are very similar in terms of scope. For example, in both Parshiot, last week's Torah, uh, Torah portion and this week's Torah portion, we, ex uh, we see Abraham experiencing direct revelation from God. And, uh, in, and in both portions of scripture, he, he was promised descendants. And he was, you know, also in both Parshiot, we see that his wife, was, his wife Sarah was abducted against her will. In last week's Torah portion, she was captured by Pharaoh. In this week's Torah portion, she was, she was captured by a Philistine king. In, the, in both Parshiot, he fathers a son. Last week it was Ishmael, this week it is Isaac, who is the son of the promise. We also see in both Torah portion is we see his behavior contrasted with his nephew Lot, who was immoral and, and, and greedy. And those were the reasons why Lot had to be separated from Abraham, because Lot could not inherit with his uncle because of his own wickedness. In both Parshiot, we see how Abraham defends cities. 
Last week, his defense was was by going into military battle. This week, he 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 goes into battle through his intercession because of a divine decree against Sodom and, and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. And we see Moses, I mean, not Moses, Moses does this as well, but Israel. But here we see Abraham going into prophetic intercession and he goes to battle for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, his intercession was to save them from destruction. We don't see Noah ever going into inter intercession and pleading for the people of the world. But what we see with Abraham is that he was willing to, to go into that deep form of prayer and really intercede and go get on his face before God to intercede for the salvation of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So th th those are several areas that, that I wanted to highlight that compare the two Torah, Torah portions together. But there are differences between the experiences that Abraham experienced. For example, the events of last week's Torah portion in Lekleha are events that I call BC. BC not meaning before Christ, but here I'm calling it before circumcision. And before circumcision, the events that took place just uh, to the time before circumcision represent Abraham, Abraham's life in the natural. Of course, he was aided through divine intervention, but it was, it was much of what took place was through his own effort. And after his circumcision, we come into Parsha Bayera, and in this Torah portion, we see how Abraham operates, and he's operating more in the supernatural, and we um, and he really shines in his intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, he just I mean he was just such a man of God, such a man of prayer, and, and a man a man of tremendous Hesed. In fact, Abraham is called the patriarch of Hesed, which we translate as uh, we translate in English as loving kindness. But the concept behind it is selfless loving kindness. And Abraham, Abraham had nothing to gain by his acts of selfless loving kindness, but he, he just he, he just he did it and, and his behavior reflected the heart of God. And the experiences that Abraham had in Lekleha were really very dim in comparison to the glory that he experienced in Parsha Vayera. And God is calling you to step into the light. God is calling all of you to be immersed in his light. And he could not step into that realm of the impossible without the circumcision. And as we see in Genesis chapter 17, verse 12 from last week's Torah portion, it says, He that is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generation, whether born in your house or brought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. And this is where the commandment is given of circumcision and this circumcision apply you know is 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 one of the commandments that Jews are commanded to keep and the type of circumcision we experience is a circumcision of the heart we as non-jewish believers in hashem are are not under the commandment of circumcision but the circumcision that that was the cutting of the cutting off cutting off of the flesh to us represents or is prophetic of the circumcision of the heart. And God is calling for a circumcision of our hearts, a circumcision uh, in the way we think and process things, a circumcision of our, emo our emotions, a circumcision where there's a cutting away of wickedness in our lives. And that really, is, that's what it is to, to be circumcised in the heart. In Romans chapter four, verse 11, Paul says, he received, and this is Paul speaking about Abraham, he received circumcision as a sign 
or seal of the righteousness which he had had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being without being circumcised, and who thus have righteousness reckoned to them. And at his circumcision, at Abraham's circumcision, he entered into a into a completely new relationship with God, where he nullified his will to God's will. He truly learned how to nullify his will. He learned how to make God's will his own will, and his and God's will superseded his own will. And when when you learn how to make God's will your will, and you put God's will first, and God will make your will his will. Amen. But what we must do is to put God's kingdom first, and 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 really take care of the kingdom business first, and he will take care of everything that concerns our livelihood. And God used Abraham in the most profound way. God used Abraham to reverse the moral and spiritual decline of all of mankind. This decline began after Adam and Eve sinned and were expelled from the garden. And we and we just seen the next generation where Cain murdered Abel. And we, we see this downward spiral of wickedness throughout the generation to the time of Noah's flood. And even after Noah's flood and the generations that came afterward, we, we, we again see this moral and spiritual decline. And God used Abraham to reverse the moral decline, to reverse the spiritual de decline. And now mankind began to make spiritual ascents in his glory. And Abram and Sarah, wherever they went, they, they won souls. Even when Abram and Sarai, or I should say Avram and Sarai left Haran, they took, they took all their substance and all the souls they had gathered when they, when, when they moved to the promised land. And I want you to know that that was the heart of Abram and Sarah. And, and, and their entire purpose was to elevate mankind and was to infuse the world with holiness and really to immerse the world with his light. And just seven generations later, the Torah was given at Mount Sinai. And this circumcision, which Abraham fulfilled at, on, upon the command of God, was, was one of the commandments. And the commandments represent the Torah. And Moses, I mean, uh, Abraham's circumcision was really a type of the giving of the Torah to him. And we see the, the complete giving of the Torah taking place seven generations later at the foot of Mount Sinai, where God's raw voice was heard from the mount. And Moses uh, uh, was given the ten tablets of stone. And, and the purpose of giving of the Torah is to impart God's presence into the world. And Abraham's personal transformation became the cornerstone of the national identity of Israel. For example, the nation of Israel was born at the giving of the Torah. And at Abraham's circumcision, this is the time in his life where I would say that Abraham became a Jew. The next concept I want to emphasize is the omission of Abraham's name in Genesis 18.1. Again, it reads, now the Lord appeared to him in the plains of memory as he was sitting at the tent, at the entrance of the tent when the day was hot. And we see that Abraham's name is omitted. And I want you to know that even the omission of a name is not accidental. Moses, who is the author of the, of the first five books of the Bible, is doing this by divine design. And God intended that his name be omitted to show us the humility and the character of Abraham. And as you see God appearing to Abraham, the name Abraham is not mentioned at all in verse 1. 
And the true greatness of Abraham is demonstrated through his character. The name Abraham means father of all nations. And his, his incredible greatness was demonstrated in his tremendous acts of hesed. Again, the word hesed means selfless, loving kindness. He also had unwa unwavering faith in God. And, and he's the father of our faith. He had this tremendous ability to sacrifice. And we also see his tremendous humility. Even when God commanded a Abraham to sacrifice his own son Isaac on the altar, he, I mean, he just did it with, he did it with so much urgency, so much humility, so much surrender and trusted God every step of the way. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about this sacrifice in part in, in the Akita portion of the teaching of the, of, of, you know, in the Let There, in the, in the Let There Be Light series. And, and look at Abraham. He just answers God with so much humility, so much obedience. And I see this similar type of obedience when I study the life of John the Baptist. And in John 3.30, it reads, He must increase, but I must decrease. Can you imagine if all of God's servants had the same heart in their service, where they would not serve with any form of competitiveness? They would not serve in a, in a manner just to elevate their name, but they serve in a matter of decreasing and allowing Jesus to increase. And that was the key to Abraham's success, is that he was always decreasing and always magnifying God's name. And that's why I believe God made Abraham the father of all nations. I mean, I mean, he had so much humility and all he cared about was propagating the name of Hashem, propagating the name of God in the world. And we, all of us should have a relationship with God that emulates the example of Abraham. We may never achieve the level of Abraham, but but we can make what we can take strides to become more like Abraham. Amen. And that's why his life is mentioned in Scripture, so that we can learn how to become more like him. Now let's go a little deeper into this verse. Let's go back to Genesis chapter eighteen, verse one. Now the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he was sitting at the entrance of the tent when the day was hot. We see details mentioned here that don't really seem significant, but there is nothing in God's word that is insignificant. Every detail has something prophetic for us to receive. So the first thing I'm going to talk about, we've already talked about, and he appeared, the Lord appeared, and we'll expand on that a little bit more shortly. And he appeared, meaning Bayera, in the plains of memory is the second concept. And the third concept, he was sitting at the entrance of the tent when the day was hot. So let's go ahead and Let's go ahead and dive into this portion of the scripture. The first thing I want you to add, to look at is in the plains of Mamre. What does that mean? What is Mamre? Is Mamre a location? Is it, is it a place? Is it a geographic location in Israel? Well, answer is no. Mamre is actually a person. And the, the rabbinic commentaries tell us that Mamre was a person. He was a man who counseled Abraham about circumcision and so that's how he learned that's how he learned about it and then it says that he was sitting even sitting has something significant he he, he sat but he wished to stand the holy one blessed be he said to him sit and i will stand and you will be a sign for your children that i am destined to stand in the congregation of the judges 
and they will sit as it is said in Psalm 82 1 God stands in the in the divine assembly and this is taken from Genesis Rabbah 48 verse 7 and there comes a time where we 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 come to the end of our limitate we come to our limit you know we come to the extent of how far we can go with God and God takes over and thus we see that God is standing so the angels that were standing outside of the tent the 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 people that I call the three mystery guests that were standing representing God who's standing because God is ready to take Abraham into another another level in glory amen and then it says that at, he was at the entrance of the tent Abraham was sitting at the entrance and this is something very significant because this teaches us about the character of Abraham. Abraham was very much involved in serving. He was very much involved in doing hospitality. He demonstrated the ultimate in Hesed. I want you to imagine Abraham at this time. Abraham is in his third day of circumcision. This is the most painful day for a man in circumcision. And in the most painful period in his life, he is not just sitting inside of his tent, lying down uh, uh, you know, in, in agony. He's actually at the entrance of his tent with the door open, looking for strangers that he may demonstrate acts of hesed and show selfless loving kindness to, to passerbys that he may show kindness to. This is the ultimate act of hesed when it becomes so inconvenient that he's willing to go the extra mile to serve God and to demonstrate God's hesed. And so, I mean, I mean, this and and this is the type of behavior that really calls for a visitation from God. And I want to talk to you about how to receive divine revelation, because the concept of divine revelation from the Torah perspective is very much different than than the way the world expects to receive divine impartation. And the concept of prophecy in the Bible is so much different than the world. Some identify prophecy or divine revelation as coming into a state of ecstasy or entering into a trance. I'm not saying that cannot happen, but what I am saying is that is not the main way that God visits his people. And sometimes the way God will visit you is just by showing you things in the natural. Prophecy is not some abstract contemplation that brings prophecy. It's not an act where you empty yourself of everything, empty yourself of your thoughts, you know, and empty yourself of everything so you, can, so you can receive divine revelation. It's actually just the opposite. The way you receive divine revelation it, scripturally is that you fill yourself with God's word. You fill yourself with him. You walk in repentance. You walk in forgiveness. You let go of all grudges. You don't walk in sin. You and 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 you meditate in His Word and you fellowship with Him. And and that is the attitude. That is the mindset that will bring divine revelation. And that's where you can experience your own personal era where and He appeared. And the sages emphasize that prophecy is not the product of a morbid. Uh, of a morbid, a morbid imagination, nor of a state of excitement or supersensitivity, and really, for you, to, for you to experience this, it's just 
takes that you be immersed in God, be immersed in His Word, be immersed in fellowship, and you can experience divine revelation. You can experience it even at the most unusual times where God will just give you a flash vision. Sometimes God will, will give you prophetic dreams in your sleep, but God will make Himself known to you, and God will appear to you. And the experience that Abraham had, I don't believe is something that we experience on a daily basis, but I believe these are events that can, can that we can expect to experience d during times that we pivot in our walk with God, and God will cause you to experience divine revelation. Amen? And I want to share an example of Peter. Looking at Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they were made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending upon him unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and led down to the earth. And really, the experience that the Apostle Peter experienced was very pivotal. Uh, you know, it was extremely important in the, the development of the early church. And really, how do we handle the non-Jewish believers in Christ Jesus as Messiah? And God gave Peter a vision in this sheet that came down from heaven, in this trance that he was in, I would even call it a day vision, and as 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 that as that scream came came down, I like to call it a scream. And within it, within the sheet, he saw all these unclean animals, and and the and the voice tells him to go, you know, to, to to eat. And what the Lord was showing Peter was that it was okay for the non-Jewish believers not to be under the six hundred and thirteen commandments given to the Jewish people, and he was teaching the apostle Peter that it it, it is okay for the non-Jewish believers in Christ to only be under the seven Noahide laws. But the stricter laws, the 613, apply to the Jewish congregation. But we, as the Gentile believers in Christ Jesus, in, in the believers in the Jewish Messiah, we are not under the 613 commandments, but we are under the seven Noahide laws. So, uh, so we can eat pork, we can eat shrimp, we can eat what's considered unclean, and, and we should not... You know we should not feel guilty about it because we're not sinning. Whereas for the Jewish believers, they 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 are under the six hundred thirteen. So we as we as Gentile believers are under less strict laws. The next thing I want to talk to you about is the three are the three mystery guests, and and what Abraham did. So let's go to Genesis chapter eighteen verses two and three, and it reads, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, three men were standing beside him. And he saw, and he ran toward them from the entrance of the tent, and he prostrated himself to the ground. And you see Abraham's humility. You see how Abraham is so busy about his master's business. All he wants to do is to serve God with all of his heart. And he, and, and, and look at Jesus on the on the cross. I mean, look look at even how he told. John to take care of Mary, his, his mother. I mean, you see that he, he's always about doing acts of loving kindness, always demonstrating hospitality. And it, in the most, in the most, Jesus being in the most agony as he's on that cross, he's, cru he's being crucified. 
and even before his death, he, he, he's showing hospitality, he's showing love, and he's imparting love to his very last breath. And Abraham, what we see with Abraham is that even in the midst of his pain, he's, he's, about, he's about doing his master's business. He's serving his heavenly father, and he's looking for strangers to whom he can demonstrate the, these same acts of kindness. And when, it, when Abraham, when God saw Abraham it, with that attitude of hospitality, God stands up and appears to Abraham, and God appears to God within the disguise of three nomads that were walking in the desert. And Abraham, in excruciating pain, you know, there was no Tylenol, no Advil, there were no painkillers that Abraham could take. And it, while he is enduring this tremendous amount of physical pain, he's overjoyed to show an act of loving kindness, and he runs out of his tent and bows down to these three strangers and offers them hospitality and is prepared to provide them with a delicious meal. And the example of Jesus on the cross, not only in the way he handled his mother Mary, but look at the way he handled the, the uh, one of the men that was crucified next to him, on, on the cross next to him, that repented. And in Luke 23, 43, Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And Jesus, again, another act of Jesus, loving kindness on the cross. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the writer tells us, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And I want you to, in this world where we're, where we're living in such dark times and and, and we've, we've really distanced ourselves from one another through social distancing. But I'm encouraging you, if you do have the ability, is to demonstrate and live a lifestyle of serving one another and really look for ways that you can show loving kindness and, you know, and look for ways that you can take care of one another, to take care of the elderly, to take care of the orphans. Look for ways in which you can demonstrate a life of hospitality and, and, and follow the pattern of Abraham by showing acts of loving kindness, even when it's inconvenient. And let's talk, let's look at these three mystery guests, these three men that came to Abraham. I'm gonna give you one of the rabbinic opinions about who these guests are. are. They were three, uh, one opinion is that they were three angels that appeared. One was an angel to bring the good news of Isaac's birth to Sarah. Uh, and, and, and they say that the angel, that angel was the, was the angel Michael, whose name means, who is like God. The second angel had come to overturn Sodom, and the angel that, that angel was the angel Gabriel, which means might of God. And the third angel was the angel Raphael, which means healing of God, to heal Abraham. So I don't know if that's true or not, but one thing I do know is that angels do have assignments, and every angel will come with a specific assignment. And, 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 we, and we, we, we see two angels that we see throughout the Bible, Michael and Gabriel, who are so much involved in the destiny of Israel. So I have no problem believing that Michael and Gabriel appeared to Abraham. And we even see Gabriel appearing to Mary to announce to Mary that she was going to conceive the Son of God in her womb. She was going to conceive that Christ Jesus, the Messiah. And we see the, the working of the Archangel Michael in the, in the books of Daniel and also in the book of Revelation. And we also see Michael mentioned in the book of Jude. 
and, and look at Abraham, look at the way he acts. He says, my Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, pass not away, I beg you, from your servant. And, and we see that what Abraham is doing, he's doing everything he can to, 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 to take care of his mystery guest. And when you, when you take care of strangers, it, it is as though you are receiving God's presence. And that's exactly what was taking place. And I just want to invite you to really live lives of selflessness. You know, we live in a selfie world. We live in a world where it's all about myself and my own. But I encourage all of you to really don't forget about the stranger. Don't, do not forget about the hungry. Do not forget about entertaining strangers. Do not forget about showing hospitality. And really go out of your way to perform acts of hesed. And really to put acts of hesed even above your own needs. I'm not saying don't take. I'm not saying don't care. Don't take care of yourselves. But what I am saying is put the needs of others even at the at least at the level of your own needs, and to love others as yourself. And it's so amazing that when God appeared to Abram and Sarai, it's like here is Abraham, 99 years old, and Sarai I believe is 89 years old. And one of the angels has come to tell Abram and Sarah that at this time next year that Sarai will give birth to a son, and that son would be called would be called Isaac. And I just want you to know that this is we serve an amazing God. And as I talked about, Parsha by era is a Parsha where God appears and the supernatural realm takes over. And after circumcision, we see. Abram walking in a completely different dimension of life and where, the, where God is completely in control. I mean, God waited until Abram and Sarah had no ability in their own to conceive children. And it seemed like all the promises of God were not yea and amen. It seemed like it was over and then Abraham could not, con con could, could not continue his progeny. But at this very time, God appeared to Abram and Sarah and reveal to them that that Sarah would Sarah would conceive, and and that son's name would become Isaac, and that name means laughter. And so I just pray that you've been blessed tonight. I pray that you have been encouraged, and um, and then I want you to know that I want I invite all of you to perform acts of Hesed. I mean, look at what God says about Abraham. He says, "For I know him." In Genesis eighteen nineteen, it says, "For I know him." that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. See how God speaks about Abraham, for I know him. Isn't that how you want God to refer to you, that I know him, that I know her? And the reason why God can say that is because Abraham excelled in the attribute of hesed, in the, in, the, in the attribute of selfless, loving kindness. And one of the commentaries say, as long as Abraham was around, there was nothing for me to do, for he did my work in my stead. And that's the way we should live. We should do God's work in his stead. And then we see he demonstrated and emulated the ways of God by doing zedekah and justice. The word zedekah, zedekah means to do righteousness. That means when you walk in God's way and you, and you clothe the naked, when you feed the hungry, when you give drink to the thirsty, what you're doing is that you're doing righteousness, you're doing zedakah for other people. And that's what God is commanding us all to do. And to clothe the naked. You know, God performed the very first act of clothing the naked. When Adam and Eve were no longer clothed in God's glory, 
God made God himself, and I believe it was God the Son, the, the, the Word of God is the one. He is the one that made garments of skin for Adam and for Eve. To, he clothed them and, and that they would not be ashamed in their nakedness. And how do we clothe the naked? Is when we cover up for somebody's shame. If somebody cannot afford a meal, we can provide them with, with, with a meal. We can do acts that will cover up someone's shame because even having shame is a form of nakedness. And when you provide for somebody else's needs, it is as, it is as if you were clothing them. And then the other thing that Abraham would do is to visit the sick. And, and God himself appeared to Abraham in the plains of Mamre. As Abraham was in his third day of this pain, and within his sickness, God appeared to him. And what took place is God comforts the mourners. And in Genesis 25, 11, it come to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed Isaac, his son. So should you too comfort mourners. And the last thing I want to share with you here is about how God buries the dead. As it is written in Deuteronomy 34, verse 6, he buried him in the valley. So it is. So it, it was God that buried Moses, and we too should bury the dead. These are all acts of hesed that we should all perform. And the dead cannot repay you uh, in, in the kindness that you show to them. And so I just pray that you have been encouraged tonight. I pray this word has richly blessed you. Just before I pray with you, I would like to invite you to sow into the countless works of Hesed that we do all around the world. We, 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 on a daily basis, we take care of a sewing school for the, for the women in Pakistan. We, we supply all the needs for the orphanages, the orphanages that we run in India, Uganda, and, and in Egypt. And we are, we are doing so many daily works around the world. I'm under the pastoral leadership of Dr. Michelle Corral of Breath of the Spirit Ministries. And I just encourage all of you to be a part of that. Sister Jamila will, will show you how you can sow into these various projects. And I just encourage all of you to be a part of this because this is really an outward manifestation uh, of your Torah study is that when you, be, when you begin to show acts of hesed to those in need. Amen. And at this time, I'd like to pray for you, Heavenly Father. I just thank you, Lord God, for everyone that has joined us on the line tonight. I especially want to lift up all the children with JD and Kavya and all of your children and grandchildren, that you will raise them up, Lord God, to become end-time ministers of the gospel and just use them mightily, Lord God. And Lord, I lift up every need of every person that's on today, Lord God, that you just minister to all, their, to all of their needs, Lord God. Lord, I, God, I ask you to arise with healing in your wings. And Lord, I ask you for a, a personal Viera in the lives of all your people today, that Lord God, that you will appear to them. And Lord God, I'm praying that you will appear, that Jesus will appear to, 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 to so many of your people on the line today, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you'll give them prophetic dreams. I ask you to give them direction. And Lord, even as you healed Abraham, Lord, I ask you to bring healing to everyone on the line from all the ailments. And we just pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And saints of God, thank you so much for joining me today. And I'll see you all next time. God bless you.